If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals, chief goals. I talked about faith, passion, and obviously the drive with the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. Coach, if you can't get most of your players to a PGC course this summer, we can bring PGC to you. If you're tired of careless and unforced turnovers, poor shot selection, a lack of focus in practice, a lack of competitiveness in practice, or having to watch other coaches and other teams win championships, you can have one of our PGC directors come run a private on-site PGC clinic just for your players. This is a phenomenal way for all of your players in your program to learn how to think the game, be a playmaker, and be a leader on and off the court. These private team and program clinics are available year-round for schools, clubs, and youth programs worldwide. Go to pgcclinic.com to request request a clinic today. That's pgcclinic.com. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle. I'm your host, Adam Bradley, normally alongside TJ Rosine, but today I'm going solo. Got a great guest for you lined up today, but before we do, let's catch up with our friends over at Shot Tracker. Our friends over at Shot Tracker are changing the game with their new revolutionary technology that is making basketball more efficient and effective at all levels. Shot Tracker is made up of three components. There's a Shot Tracker-enabled ball, player sensors, and anchors in the rafter. And combining them all gives you high-level, detailed analytics to be able to track everything your players are doing, spacing, movement, shot efficiency. It's absolutely incredible. Check out ShotTracker.com to learn more about how you can get connected to ShotTracker and begin changing the game for your team. All right, so if you pay attention to high school sports in the Maryland area, then you absolutely are aware and know about the success that takes place at Quince Orchard High School with their football program. Here in the 4A, which is the highest class in Maryland, they are now approaching and on pursuit to enter their fourth straight state championship uh, appearance. They've got a few games to win there, but an undefeated season this year and so much momentum. Everything is pointing in that direction, which would then mean you are uh, going up for an opportunity to to go back-to-back as you were fresh off a state championship uh, season last year. Coach John Kelly, the legendary coach, John Kelly of Quince Orchard Football is joining us. Coach, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Thanks for having me, Adam. Yes, we are in the middle of the playoff run. You you are bundled up because you are practicing in the cold, but when the game when the practice gets colder, the games mean more. Correct. So you're used That's to this. That's a good thing. That's yeah, a good absolutely. Thing. Coach, you know, everyone always wants to know the secrets, right? They, how do you sustain a program? And like I said, anyone in Maryland knows about the success of Quince Orchard football, certainly one of the most dominant football programs in this state, and you're not slowing down any time soon. First off, is there any special secrets, Coach? Uh, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any, any you know, kind of no secrets. Um, you know, I think some of the things you kind of hit on earlier um, when you were talking about maybe our recent run of success, but I think that kind of brings me back to some of the failures that we had um you know we suffered some you know pretty tough defeats um you know going back to I, i've been the, i was a defensive coordinator starting in 2009 um and 2011 2012 
Uh, we lost in the state championship game. One game in overtime. Uh, we lost another one 12-7. Uh, 2013, had a pretty good team, we thought. Uh, lost in a regional championship game. 2014, my first year as head coach, again, lost in a regional championship game. 2015, again, lost in a regional championship game. Um, and in all those games in 14 and 15, we, we, you know, we lost to teams we had beaten previously in the regular season. Um, so that's a big part of what, you know, drives us. You know, obviously we're having some, some success here recently, but I think our failures that, you know, we had had previously kind of got us to this point. It hasn't always been, you know, roses, you know, so it took some time for us to kind of get to where we are right now. So how do your players understand that? Because I understand where you can come from, from that perspective, mm-hmm. but there's players on this year that Correct. don't know that, no right? About that. They've, they've only seen wins and, and crushing wins and big wins. So how do you get your players to recognize that? That's the, that's the one big thing I guard against, you know, really early on starting in January is, is complacency um, and kids with that feeling of, you know, uh, we got it. You know, we can kind of just walk on the field, show up, play well. Um, obviously, you know, we're, we're talented. But there's a difference in winning a game because you're talented and winning a game because you're executing well. You're blocking, you're tackling, you're doing the fundamentals right. And that's the thing that we, we, we preach to our kids is, obviously, you're one of the more talented teams, but we're not going to win games because of our talent. That's, that's win games because you're, you're doing the right things and you're hungry to win. You know, you understand the things to do to win, you know, um, and, and come out every week and make yourself better. One thing we tell our kids, let's, let's get better. You can't stay the same. Or if you're the same team now, we were in August, we're not doing our job as coaches. We're not making you better. How difficult is that fighting against that complacency? That's real. Yeah, no, no doubt. And one thing is we've, we've got a really competitive group of kids. We've had a competitive group of kids the last couple of years. just super competitive, so they don't like to lose. Um, and there's you know certain things I do, certain things we do to kind of you know keep them motivated, keep them going. Because, again, if you lo- as soon as you lose your edge, I tell them, you know, as soon as you lose your edge, there's somebody that wants to take you over. There's somebody that would love to be the head coach here at Quinn's Orchard High School. So the moment that I slip up, remember we don't do what we got to do, there's someone else that want to do my job. So it's the same in the football field. You know, there's someone that always wants to knock you off and take you out. And the moment you think, ah, I'm good, you're not good. So that edge, I, I like that you brought that up because I think that's a real thing, right? But that's where I think a lot of coaches struggle, trying to figure out how do I get that edge in my player's mindset. You know, are you referring to doing things maybe – Maybe incorporating certain competitions and certain elements of practice and such to kind of entice and I think, engage. Yeah, I think that's important too. And I think it's also important to just challenge the kids. You know, challenge them every week to something that they haven't done to keep them. Because again, the worst thing that can happen is for them to get stagnant. And I'm not going to lie to you that that sometimes that happens to us where you you kind of get you, that can happen. But again, the, the, what I'm what I tell them too is if we're out here at practice, we're here to get better. We're not here to just hang out if you're here to just hang out and we're not here to you know they the going through the motions as they say <laughs> right that's there's no reason for that right we're here to, again we know what we're trying to accomplish and if we're not getting better every day or on the practice field it's not why, why are we here yeah right i mean everything we do we want to be the best i'll tell them like, listen i want i want you to be the best at tying your shoes the best at putting your pants on the best at putting your cleats on be the best and and take it personal like like i'm the best at combing my hair in the morning and brushing my teeth be the best at it. Hmm. Why wouldn't you? And 
I, I think for you, you're in such a unique position because when you look at your schedule, and, and players naturally are going to do this as well, there's going to be weeks that they're looking at the upcoming opponent on Friday. And let's be honest, we all know most likely how the outcome is going to play out. Mm-hmm. right? It's going, to be, it's going to be a completely one-sided event. And, and I would imagine that during the course of a practice that there's players like, why do we need to be this focused on details? Why do we need to put in that extra rep? Like, you know what's going to happen on Friday night, Coach. We all do. It's predicted. Why do I need to do that? Correct. And, that, and that's, when, that's when we tell them, listen, the, obviously the ultimate goal is to win that game on Friday night. But when we're talking the bigger picture, because the bottom line is when you play football here, the goal is to win the state championship. That's, that's just – that's it. All right? In order to win and the state, and you don't shy away from that. Correct. That's so. just what it is, you know. Um, and if you want to accomplish that, there's teams you have to beat that are very good. And if you're not getting better in week four and five, you're not going to beat those good teams in weeks thirteen and fourteen. They're going to beat you. So if you're not focused, you, you can focus on week six, which is what you need to do. But you're getting ready to play those games right now. Mm-hmm. Those games in weeks twelve, thirteen, fourteen. You can't. So if you say oh, week six, week five, oh, I'm just gonna. You know, Coach, I'm just going to – you know, I'll, I'll be there Friday and I'll maybe show up to practice and have a – you know, I'll do a decent – but you're not getting better? You're not going to be ready to win in weeks 12, 13, 14. You just won't. So talk about the dynamic this year compared to last. Obviously, you won the state championship last year. It was a great run. And you're looking to repeat it this year. What a well, talk about the actual intricate dynamics between last year and this year, the, the pursuit of winning it for the first time versus defending. People always say it's so much tougher to defend it. I, I've never been in a situation to know, right? You are in it right now. Is it necessarily tougher? How does it change? I don't think it changes much, to be honest with you. I mean, for me, last season was last season, and what those kids did was awesome and special. Um, but, you know, 2019, is it's a different year and different season. So for us, it's, you know, we won the state championship, but that was last year. Um, so, again, I reflect a lot back on our, you know, my experiences, our coaching staff's experiences, and we relay those back to the kids of, you know, again, some of the, up, the uphill battle that we had to get here and how, again, this is their season. They're writing their own story. You know, the seniors this year are going to write the story for 2019. How do you position the story of last year in your communication to your team this year? Do you reference it at all? How do you reference it? I mean, we've, I'll be honest with you. There's probably only been a handful of times we've even brought up last season. I mean, maybe less than I can count on my one hand, you know. Um, just because, again, this is it's – a, it's a different team. Um, it's, you know, so it's – it's there's just different – and, again, and – uh, we're not, we don't want to ride off the coattails of what happened in 2018. You know, um, we want to ride on the coattails of what you know these kids can do here this year. You know, one thing that makes Quince Orchard unique, especially this year, but but even throughout the past couple of years, is you are in a unique position from a public school perspective where you've got enough talent and depth, coach, that your players really only play one way. Right, you look around the, the county, you look around the state, look around the country. Really, you know, I'd say ninety percent of high school programs, the kids are playing both ways, especially their mm-hmm. stars, their, their major yep. athletes. Not here. I'm impressed with that. I'm also intrigued with that. How do you get the kids to buy in to potentially taking a smaller role? Where let's be honest, some of these kids know that they're good enough to play on both sides Correct. in general, but Correct. here that's not what you want. Yeah, I think you know one of the big selling points I think are just you know kind of communication to the kids is it's really it's really beneficial to the team uh i mean you're you're right we're fortunate to be have enough depth um to where we can do it but a lot of times if you really think about it let's say for example you have a kid who's playing four quarters let's say for example it's a it's a, it's a lineman who's playing four quarters of football right 
You have another kid who's probably not as good as that kid. He's probably not. Let's say the one kid's a 10, and the other kid is maybe a 6. But the kid who's a 10, especially if he's a lineman, by the time he gets to the third quarter, fourth quarter, he probably becomes a 7. You know, the kid who's a 6, if he stays fresh the whole entire game, and by the time he has practices through the season to get himself better. In the game reps. In the game reps and in practice. It just it'll equate to not a huge drop off to where a kid's gonna be completely tired and come third, fourth quarter legs are cashed out, especially for a skill kid. To the skill kids, again those guys run even more. So makes sense to me. Sixteen year old though, who correct. wants to be on the field, correct may not buy it. And, and what I tell them too is listen, your your performance is gonna be better, is what I tell them. You're gonna play better. Right? You're gonna be full speed every snap. And let's be, let's be honest, that's why the NFL and college guys don't go both ways. It's not humanly possible to push yourself because we want our kids to go 100 miles an hour. I want your, like, maximum max effort. And if you're playing, you know, we're playing Northwest, we're playing Wise, that, that's hard to ask someone to do that for four quarters going both ways mm. to give that, I mean, like humanly possible. So we tell them, listen, your performance is going to be that much better because that guy across from he might be playing both ways. You're playing one way, you should win. Hmm. You should win your matchups. You know, so, and that's, again, going to help the team and, you know, help yourself. A lot of managing throughout the process of just conversations. Is it ongoing or is it pretty yeah, clear I mean, and understood and, and players just accept it? I think it's pretty clear, to be honest with you. Uh, I think another thing we do a good job of is just trying to put kids in the best position possible. You know, like obviously there's kids – some kids are receivers, some kids are DBs, but the reality of the situation is some kids are better DBs and they are receivers or better receivers Not than they are DBs. Not if you ask them, right? Correct. <laughs> Correct. You know, just Coach, like, have you seen me on the other yeah, side of the ball? Correct. And just like some are better O-linemen and some are better D-linemen. You know, so if these guys want to move on to the next level, we try to project where they're going to play in college and let that be their spot that they're going to end up playing full-time at. So I've got a few more questions for you, Coach. I'm intrigued with just everything that's going on here with the program and the success. Before we do, let's take a quick halftime break with our friends over at Team Snap. Thanks to our friends over at Team Snap for today's halftime communication tip. There's a famous pastor down in the Atlanta, Georgia area, a gentleman by the name of Andy Stanley, who commonly says, if there's a mist in the pulpit, there's a fog in the pews. I'll say that again. If there's a mist in the pulpit, there is a fog in the pews. He references this quote often as a reminder for him that he needs to make sure he simplifies the message from where he's at, the pulpit, in order for those in the pews, the congregation, to truly get it. Because if there's any type of confusion or complication from where he's at, the audience will never get it. I think that applies to us as coaches as well. I think if we're putting together a scheme or a strategy, if it's confusing and complex for us, the chances of it being that way for the audience, for our players, is increased. It is so important that we simplify the message from our perspective in order to avoid any confusion from their perspective. I want to challenge you just to evaluate your own communication this week as you go through time with your players and coaches. Is there a mist? Is there a little confusion around your communication? If so, prepare. It's going to be a heavy fog in the ears and eyes of your player. Make sure you simplify your communication this week in order to allow it to impact and reach the players the way you intended. 
Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app being used by over 15 million people across the globe, helping bring everyone from parents, players, and coaches to get them all on the same page, organized all season long. That's TeamSnap.com backslash hustle. All right, so we talk about the talent that is in this uh, building here and the, the talent that you have the opportunity to coach. And, and the reality is because of the program that you all have built, I just want to be very clear on this, it has become a very attractive program in the county, right? Kids are gravitating. They're wanting to be a part of it. One, that's a props to you and your staff for building something that is attractive. And... But you've benefited from kids transferring in, right? You know, that's just been a reality. You've got a roster right now. You've got a handful of kids that have transferred in. I I just want to get in general your thoughts on just the transferring dynamic. And you've seen the uptick over the years, especially you've been – I mean, you're Mm -hmm. you're a high school football player coach for life. It is in your blood 25, 30 years, right? That's what you've always done. You've seen the increase. In general, even as someone who's receiving it on the benefit side of it now, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of things, I think, you know, kind of play into it. Um, you know, kind of the way I look at it, I think, you know, sometimes parents are just searching for, kind of like you said, and we've had a lot of success here, and we've had a lot of success with our kids <clears throat> going on to college and a lot of success winning, and, and a lot of people kind of want to be part of that, you know. Um, and I think that's kind of where we're at today with, you know, kids wanting to transfer and, and, and just kind of looking for an opportunity. You know, some kids may feel like at the whatever school X, Y, and Z they may be at, maybe they're not getting the opportunity. Maybe it's for real. Maybe it's not for real, but that's how they feel. Um, and so they want to kind of put themselves in the best, you know, possible position that they feel is going to make them successful. So that's, I, I think that's why you see, you know, kind of the uptick and in, in, in maybe some of that stuff. Sure. Is, is it good for the game? Is, is it good for the kids? I understand the exposure increases, and then there's different benefits, right? But, like, deep down what it's doing and the options and the mindset of the players, is it, is it a healthy thing for the players? Yeah, I think, I think to be honest, I think every single one is like a case-by-case basis. You know, I, I, don't, I just don't know if you could just maybe look at it overall, but I think if you look at them by case-by-case basis – you know, you kind of evaluate each one that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure there's probably some kids that transfer that really should, and they should probably just stay where they're at. You know, um, and, and, and they've just got parents pushing. Correct. And they maybe listen, pain, listening, this dream. listening to the wrong people, telling them to do the wrong things, getting in their ear when they should just stay where they're at and and ride it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's other situations where yes, the kid they need to be in a better situation. It's going to help them grow, help them do whatever they want to do. So transferring is probably the better the better thing. One thing I don't know: Have you had many players transfer out of here? I actually, I don't know that. Is it not really? They pretty much stay? Okay. Yep. I mean, it makes sense, right? And, and I always say, you know, I, I, I use the term, Coach, chasing versus attracting, right? Mm-hmm. Programs either build themselves to attract or they don't build themselves and they always have to chase, Correct. right? And, and I think you always want to position yourself in a place of attraction, and, and you all have certainly done that here. Not only have players desire to be part of this but even coaches right i mean you've got an incredible staff and one uh, during this off season you got the legendary coach kim mm-hmm. right yep. fred kim who we've had on a previous episode former yep. head coach of seneca valley came over and is now running your defense i want to ask you a little bit about how you manage the dynamic of a powerful and, and well-experienced staff when do you find yourself inserting your opinion versus 
I should give a guy like Fred Kim space mm-hmm. to operate. Yep. How do you balance that dynamic? And is it tough? Like, have you had to kind of work on it? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I, you know, it's one thing I was telling. I told, I tell our team this all the time, and our coach as well. Is I, I, I'm very fortunate, very blessed to have be a situation where I have of a, a great group of players, but also a great group of assistant coaches. Um, and I don't take that for granted one one day. That I'm very fortunate to have those guys. Uh, you know, to work with them every single day. And, yeah, so, you know, for me, I called the defense for 10 years previously, you know, before this season. Um, you know, so this is my first year uh, not calling the defense here since 2009 um, when we brought over Coach Kim. It's like you gave up your baby, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it made it easy, to be honest, because, you know, Fred, obviously I've known Fred. Uh, he was my coach in high school, so I've known him for a long time. Um, would it have been hard to give that up if it wasn't a special coach? Correct. Like, There's okay. very few people that I probably would have done that for. Um, but – you know, we think a lot. We think alike defensively. You know, schematically, we're on the same page with everything. Um, so that that that's that's a huge help. And then, um, you know, kind of again offensively, with those guys, they do an awesome job. So it kind of it just allows me to kind of just bounce around. You know, and I'll float ideas. You know, both sides of the ball and special teams. And and the reason that I hired these guys was to coach. So I'm not gonna. I'm not a hard-headed individual when it comes to that stuff. I'm well, not going to say, this is how we're doing well, it. Well, take me into your head a little bit of actually how you manage that, right, the dynamic. Because there are moments, I'm sure, or have there been, where you've actually wanted to interject, but you've pulled back and said, I'm, I'm not going to assert yeah, my authority no here. No doubt, 100%. And, and that's where, you know, I mean, again, I hired them to, to coach the offense, coach the defense, coach the special teams. But you're ultimately in charge. But I'm, I'm the ultimate. And that's what I kind of tell those guys. You know, obviously it's – they're the ones calling the plays, but you know I'll, I'll be the final decision maker on stuff. But again, I trust their judgment and their opinion on pretty much everything. So it's really during the week is when that stuff's going to happen. Our conversations about maybe there's a certain thing that you know we talked about, and they want to go one way, I want to go one way, and we'll find you know we'll find a happy medium on that agreement to to as to what direction you know we're going to go. Um, but. Again, lucky to have those guys, you know, on our staff. So you're a relatively young head coach, right? Just a few years older than me. Were you 40? 39. 39? Yep. 40 when? Uh, October. Oh, a year from now. Okay. Yeah. All right, so you got a little time, right? But you're a relatively young coach. Certainly look younger than even the 39. Is it difficult having more experienced coaches on your staff versus younger staff? And you, you hear that, right? Like I think about Sean McVay out in L.A. or Kyle Shanahan. Sometimes a younger coach is going to want someone a little younger where they don't feel threatened or they feel like they can assert their authority where you may not feel comfortable addressing a, a 50-, 60-year-old coach who was maybe even your coach potentially. Yeah. That's the one thing about football. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to coach college football for seven years uh, and be around a lot of great assistant coaches, um, You know, University of Maryland, North Carolina Central, and – just had a chance to house and see how <clears throat> just kind of see how things operated, you know, when I was younger, a lot younger, um, to see how things work. So I think that helped me to be able to, you know, again, <clears throat> kind of navigate some of the stuff I'm, you know, with now with my staff, you know, um, and kind of how to just it's really all it boils down to effective communication. That's just that's the key with anything, you know, just being able to effectively communicate with people um, and kind of you know to, to, to kind of convey what you want what you want done. So one other thing about the Quince Orchard program, and I've heard this time and time again, you've communicated it to me, is in addition to great players, great coaches, you've got a great administration and community. Mm-hmm. I want to I ask you, always hear this, alignment mm-hmm. is so important. Yep. Like, why is it so important? 
Well, the thing is, everything kind of, in order for everything, you know, in my opinion, to kind of flow and kind of won't even flow, um, it's it's just helps when everyone's on the same page. So it's from the top down, really, honestly. You know, so there's, in this building, um, you know, our principal's outstanding. Um, <clears throat> does a great job with the whole entire school, not not only football, but just in general. Um, does an awesome job. And I was fortunate enough to have a principal before in Kara working who also was awesome. Um and you know, same thing with their athletic director Jeff Raverman. You know, awesome job. So, and they they both do a great job with communication, that type of stuff. And just again, the kind of whole piece just keeps everything in balance and keeps everything in flow. You know, and they're supportive of you know the school community and the school background and all that stuff. And again, it, it just helps things to flow. You're not working is, against the tide. Is it a support of just basically letting you kind of operate and do your thing? Is it going to request and them honoring it? Is it them? I'd say it's resources a, to the program. Correct. Okay. It's it's kind of like a like a you know resources things. That, you know, there's things that obviously you need to be able to operate a successful football program. So just me feeling comfortable to go and ask you know the athletic director, the principal for certain things that we may need. Um, and, and having a, being able to have being able to be comfortable to have a conversation about that type of stuff, not you know thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to say no, or you know just having that relationship um, to be able to get that done to make things work smooth. Whereas you're in a situation where maybe you're not getting along with your administration, that's not good mm-hmm. because that's just gonna that's gonna trickle down to you, and it's gonna trickle down to the players, and it's gonna affect the program. Well, Coach, appreciate your time today, and uh, best of luck as you make this run for your back-to-back state championship. I've enjoyed getting connected to you and to the program this year. Had a chance to work with you over the summer doing six sessions with the team. that was great. And looking forward to just see what you guys – I mean, this momentum is unreal. What is your average margin of victory this season? Uh, I'm not really sure. Come on now. You know it. 48? I, I don't know. I really, I, I'll be honest <laughs> I'm not really sure. The goal Listen, is to be honest with you, I just, it's, it's, we've told our kids it's this week it's just – you know, we, we kind of treated the playoffs like a new season. You know, kind of because the, the, the bottom line is no one cares, and we I've learned this. No one cares what we did in the regular season. The regular season's great. It's just like professional sports, right? It's great. And you can say, hey, we were blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line is the playoffs is kind of how you're evaluated and how you're going to be remembered. You know, so for us, it's like a new season this week. This is week two. Want to go one and oh, and take it one game at a time, one step at a time, and kind of just cross each bridge when we come to it. Last localized question. Do you like the fact that Maryland opened up the playoff expansion? I know. I do like it. I like it because I like going out and playing different people and kind of mixing it up. I would like – There were some teams in there that had records that you looked at. You're like, what is going yeah. on? Here? I mean, my personal opinion would be seed everybody 1 through 16. And that's my personal opinion. If we just – 16 teams make the playoffs from every region. You seed them 1 to 16 and let's go play football. Fair enough. Best of luck, Coach. All right, appreciate your time, man. Thanks for having me. I'm Adam, normally alongside TJ Rosine. Together we are the Hardwood Hustle. Until next time, we are out.